0: I would like to introduce your moderator for today's workshop, Dr. Carolyn Messner, Senior Director of Education and Training at Cancer Care.
1: Thank you so much, and I, too, would like to welcome everyone to today's Cancer Care Connect Education Workshop, Triple Negative Breast Cancer and African American Women. And today's program is actually sponsored by, is made possible by the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation, um, an educational grant from Daiichi Sanko, and a grant from Genentech, an independent grant from Merck and Company, Inc., and I really want to thank them for their support of this program. Now, we have wonderful speakers on our program today, and I want to begin by introducing our first speaker, and our first speaker is Dr. Lisa Newman, and Dr. Newman is Chief Division of Breast Surgery, Director, Interdisciplinary Breast Program, Medical Director and Founder, International Center for the Study of Breast Cancer Subtypes, Weill Cornell Medicine, New York Presbyterian Hospital Network, second vice president American College of Surgeons. And Dr. Newman will be addressing triple negative breast cancer in African-American women, the difference in triple negative breast cancer for African-American women, the role of surgery, the importance of clinical trial participation for black Af- African-American women in increasing treatment options, It's really now my great pleasure now to introduce um, Dr.
2: Newman. Hello, and thank you so much, Dr. Messner, for allowing me to participate in this very important conversation regarding triple-negative breast cancer. And I'll be focusing a number of my comments on the triple-negative breast cancer burden of African-American women and how this burden contributes to breast cancer disparities between black women and white women diagnosed with breast cancer here in the United States. We have indeed made some wonderful advances for all women across the globe with regard to breast cancer diagnosis, treatment, and outcomes, and a lot of that improvement is related to the fact that we understand that breast cancer is not one single disease. It's actually comprised of a whole spectrum of different subtypes. Having an understanding of these subtypes allows us to better individualize or personalize the treatment for breast cancer based upon the characteristics of each patient's tumor. Now, early detection remains extremely important for the best survival rates from breast cancer, including triple negative breast cancer. Even with the tiniest, earliest detected cancers, however, women do do need to understand that there is still the possible risk of microscopic breast cancer cells that have escaped from the tumor in the breast and gotten into the bloodstream. The bloodstream can then carry these microscopic breast cancer cells off to other organs, such as the liver, lungs, bones, and the microscopic breast cancer cells that are hiding in those other organs won't cause any symptoms, and you can't see them because they're simply too tiny. You can't visualize them on tests like PET scans, CAT scans, bone scans. But these are the breast cancer cells that we actually worry about the most because if those microscopic breast cancer cells hiding in other organs continue to grow, this is what can turn into the life-threatening problem or potentially life-threatening problem of metastatic breast cancer. Fortunately, however, we do have wonderful medical treatments that we can utilize in breast cancer excuse me, that we can utilize in breast cancer patients and these medical treatments, which are sometimes in the form of special hormonally active cancer-fighting pills, sometimes other targeted types of infusion therapy, sometimes in the form of chemotherapy. But these medical treatments are all extremely valuable at totally wiping out the microscopic cancer cells hiding in other organs, and so they are effective at preventing women from dealing with the dangers of metastatic breast cancer. We decide on the particular type of medical treatment that a breast cancer patient will need based upon specific characteristics of the breast cancer that we identify on the initial breast biopsy material. And in particular, we look for certain proteins or markers called the estrogen receptor, the progesterone receptor, and her 2 New, And we have very powerful medical treatments that can target the the breast cancer cells that express those three different markers. And these are medical treatments that we call uh, personalized therapy for breast cancer. These medical treatments work best when they are wiping out the microscopic disease hiding in other organs, and this, again, is why early detection of all types of breast cancer is of critical importance. Now, the tumors that we describe as being triple negative are the cancers that are negative for all three of those markers, ER, PR, and HER2. Triple-negative breast cancers, unfortunately, are inherently biologically more aggressive compared to the non-triple-negative breast cancers. And because the triple-negative breast cancers are negative for those three proteins that we can use for targeted, personalized medical therapies, triple-negative breast cancers are more likely to require chemotherapy as the medical treatment to eradicate the microscopic disease hiding in other organs and the medical treatment that will hopefully prevent future metastatic breast cancer. We are, however, making wonderful advances in the medical management of triple negative breast cancer with the use of immunotherapy and my medical oncology colleagues on this uh, conference uh, will be discussing immunotherapy as well as advances in chemotherapy for triple negative breast cancer in much greater detail. When it comes to disparities, the topic of triple negative breast cancer is extremely important because we do see that African American women have a twofold higher risk of being diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer compared to white American women. And this higher burden of triple negative breast cancers in the black American community definitely contributes to the 40% higher breast cancer mortality that we see in black women compared to white women. This issue of higher risk of triple negative breast cancer in African American women underscores the importance of early detection of breast cancer in African American women even more importantly. Because for all breast cancers, regardless of whether it's triple negative or non-triple negative, Early detection means that the medical therapies will be more effective, and early detection means that the surgical options that the woman has for managing her breast cancer will be more broad and are more likely to be successful. So I've spoken quite a bit about the systemic or medical treatments that are important for breast cancer, all types of breast cancer, but now I'd like to turn our attention to discussing surgical management of breast cancer. And the basic principles that guide our decisions regarding the surgical management of breast cancer are actually similar for triple negative breast cancers and for non-triple negative breast cancers. The treatment of the disease in the breast is extremely important, even though we do also need to address the medical therapy needs of a breast cancer patient. So for any breast cancer patient, we do need to address three important principles in coming up with that surgical plan. Number one is the most basic principle. You need to get rid of that primary tumor in the breast. This is the same principle that we have to address regardless of whether we're talking about a breast cancer, a colon cancer, or an ovarian cancer. And this is the reason why nearly all breast cancer patients have to undergo some surgery as at least one component of their care. The second principle is a bit more specific to cancers that we do find in a woman's breast. And principle number two says that we also need to address the microscopic breast cancer cells that are usually hiding in the normal appearing breast tissue surrounding the tumor that led to the biopsy and the diagnosis. So to evaluate and uh, effectively address these first two principles, we have mastectomy as one surgical breast option, and mastectomy can be performed with breast reconstruction. Our plastic surgeons have made wonderful advances in providing beautiful breast reconstruction that can often be done at the same time as the mastectomy surgery, and often we can do a procedure called a nipple-saving or nipple-sparing mastectomy, which enhances the appearance of the breast reconstruction. Alternatively, however, some patients will undergo breast-saving or breast-conserving surgery, which would involve a lumpectomy to remove that primary tumor in the breast, and then we would follow the lumpectomy up with breast radiation. And radiation treatments for breast cancer are very targeted X-ray beam therapies going right at the affected breast itself, and these radiation treatments are terrific at eradicating the microscopic breast cancer cells that are hiding in that normal appearing breast tissue left behind after the lumpectomy was performed. The third principle of breast cancer management is that we do also need to evaluate the lymph nodes in the underarm, what we call the axillary management. This information in terms of surgical evaluation of the lymph nodes in the underarm is important because breast cancers can often travel to the lymph nodes in the underarm, and so axillary surgery will be important to control that aspect of the disease. But it's also critically important for staging information. If we do see that there are cancer cells hiding in the lymph nodes, then this information will influence the chemotherapy recommendations that we might uh, offer to the patient. And it will also influence the radiation treatment planning. So lymph node surgery is very important. For women that have low volume or clinically uh, inapparent disease in those lymph nodes, we can often do a small targeted operation on those lymph nodes, something called a sentinel lymph node biopsy, where we focus on identifying just the few most important lymph nodes in the woman's underarm area. And then those sentinel lymph nodes are sent to the pathology laboratory for testing. Some women will still need to undergo a larger operation on those lymph nodes, something called an axillary lymph node dissection, where we basically surgically clean out the entire fat pad of the underarm, and then this uh, lymph node tissue, which will have many lymph nodes in it, will be evaluated comprehensively by the pathology doctors. We like to avoid that axillary lymph node dissection, however, whenever feasible, because this is the operation that can put women at risk for a problem called lymphedema, where they can develop swelling in the arm on that side. And the sentinel lymph node biopsy is one way to minimize the risk of lymphedema. Survival from breast cancer is equal regardless of whether the woman chooses a breast conserving surgical approach or a mastectomy surgical approach because survival is going to be related to that risk of microscopic cancer cells hiding in other organs and whether or not we can control the microscopic disease hiding in other organs with the medical treatments that we offer. Again, triple negative breast cancers are more likely to require chemotherapy, and so very frequently we will actually offer chemotherapy to a triple negative breast cancer patient prior to undergoing the surgery, and then sometimes delivering that chemotherapy before the surgery will shrink down the tumor in the breast, and it will sometimes shrink down any disease in the lymph nodes, and so it can make a patient a better candidate for a lumpectomy operation, and it can make a patient a better candidate for the smaller surgery on those lymph nodes, the sentinel lymph node biopsy, allowing her to avoid that axillary lymph node dissection. There are some women who, despite knowing that mastectomy and lumpectomy has equal survival rates, some women will choose a double mastectomy to manage their breast cancer. And that's a woman's personal prerogative, but women who make that choice need to understand that they are not gaining a survival advantage with the more extensive mastectomy surgery. And mastectomy is not a guarantee against getting a new breast cancer. You can always have microscopic amounts of breast tissue hiding in the skin flaps after a mastectomy. And so while it is very rare, it is possible to get a new breast cancer even after a double mastectomy has been performed. Now, in closing, I do want to stress the importance of research and clinical trial opportunities, especially for African-American women. Many women are nervous about clinical trial participation because they are worried about some of the the, the possibilities of receiving inadequate or missing treatment or being abused in the research system. And it is true that in the past, there were some uh, abuses in the research setting, particularly for individuals of color. Today, however, the clinical trials research program is extremely tightly regulated, and participating in a clinical trial is actually a very powerful protection against being subject to any discriminatory practices in the healthcare system, because everything in a clinical trial is very carefully scrutinized and regulated. Clinical trials for African-American women are particularly important because we really do need to understand why African-American women have this higher burden of triple negative breast cancer, and we need to understand better the appropriate treatments for triple negative breast cancer in African-American women. We are now also learning that there are different patterns of triple negative tumors, and we need to understand whether some of these patterns are different in African American women because these patterns may influence treatment outcomes. We also need to understand more about the genetics of African ancestry as it pertains to the risk of triple negative breast cancer. And this uh, research can only be done with uh, clinical research opportunities. So I thank everybody very much for their time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the remainder of the conference.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Newman. That was a superb presentation. Just a stellar presentation, and really you've set the, uh, the, really the stage for the entire workshop today. And now, um, before I introduce our next speaker, I just want to comment on how many people are on the call today. So I do want to say that there are over 340 people on the call today, and you come from all over the United States, from both urban, rural, and suburban areas. And we also have participants from Argentina, East Africa, Canada, Colombia, India, Ireland, Iraq, Kenya, Nigeria, South Africa, United Kingdom. So this is really a global call, and we're delighted to have all of you on this program today. It's really um, a great pleasure to have so many of you on the program today. It's, it's really um, amazing that there are so many of you on the call today. And now, um, I do want to now introduce our next speaker, and our next speaker Is Dr. Kamal Abu Hussein. Dr. Hussein is assistant professor of medicine Cooper Medical School Rowan University. Adjunct assistant professor MD Anderson Cancer Center Department of Breast Medical Oncology. And Dr. Hussein will be addressing precision medicine and treatment sequencing for black African-American women, current standard of care, and new treatment approaches, including immunotherapy, suggestions to prevent um, and manage treatment side effects, neuropathy, discomfort, and pain, guidelines to prepare for telehealth, telemedicine appointments, and um, including technology and prepared list of questions Um, and it's really my great pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Hussein.
0: Thank you, Dr. Mesner, for having me. It's my pleasure to address those very important topics. So first, we'll start talking about the concept of precision medicine. Uh, so precision medicine for breast cancer is an approach to diagnosis, treatment, and prevention that takes into account um, a lot of features. So it looks at the genes that Uh, a person is born with, and the genes or other markers uh, present on the surface of the cancer cell that this person has. And with this approach, um, the patient's blood or tumor tissue is collected for analysis, and that information may help predict the chances a person might develop a disease, and if they have an established diagnosis of cancer, it might guide treatment decisions uh, moving forward and open the door to some uh, other options. So cancer care is uh, really among the first medical specialties to apply the science of precision medicine to practice, and several kinds of genetic and non-genetic tests for breast cancer are available that help us personalize uh, therapy decisions. So some genetic tests are specific to the inherited risk of a patient, which means they look at your genetic makeup or determine your personal risk of developing breast cancer or other types of cancers over the course of your lifetime. And we've learned that inherited risk really accounts for about 10% of all the breast cancer cases in the world. And this same test can also be used to determine if you would respond to a specific drug for the treatment of metastatic breast cancer. And a very famous example for that is the use of um, a class of oral medications called PARP inhibitors. patients who have the BRCA mutation. Uh, Other newer genetic tests may be available, too, depending on a personal family history for cancer. And there are other tests that check for the genetic changes or the variants, and sometimes we call them mutations, within the cancer cells. And those help us determine which treatments you'll most likely benefit from or if you need any treatments at all. So breast cancer is probably among the earliest cancers that subdivided itself into different types based on the receptors or the markers that identify the driving forces that allow the the cells of this cancer to grow and divide. And like Dr. Newman mentioned in her talk, normally we uh, broadly divide the breast cancer cases into three main subtypes. The most common subtype is the hormone receptor positive subtype. And those are the cancer cells that test positive for the female hormones, namely the estrogen and the progesterone receptor. And we would think about using hormonal-directed therapies, also called endocrine therapies, for the treatment of that subtype. Uh, There's a third marker that uh, we test for on the surface of the cancer cell, and this is a protein called the HER2 protein. And the HER2 positive breast cancer uh, is a subtype that produces too much of that protein. And someone with the HER2 positive breast cancer is likely to respond to the drugs that target that protein, and they are called anti-HER2 uh, therapy. And usually they're not used alone. They are coupled with chemotherapy. And so it leaves us with the third and the most important subset because it's the subset that we're going to focus upon today and that is the triple-negative breast cancer subset. And by definition, this is really a category of breast cancer that tests negative for the estrogen, the progesterone, and the HER2 receptor. And it has the highest rates for early disease recurrence, and generally, it is thought of as a more aggressive subtype of breast cancer. And a big part of that is, for so many years, we only used chemotherapy to treat this type of breast cancer. Um, Even though this continues to be the standard of care and chemotherapy continues to be the backbone that we would normally use to treat this cancer, but a few other agents really became available to our patients in the last few years. Uh, So we talked about the PARP inhibitors for the people who have the BRCA mutation. Now there is a very big class uh, called the immune checkpoint blockers and those are normally the immunotherapy, which really made a revolution in the treatment of this disease. And also, there's a class called the antibody drug conjugates. And those have led to a lot of improvements in the way that we, um, that we expect our patients to respond to therapy and the overall prognosis. So, we are also starting to understand that not all triple negative breast cancers are alike. Uh, There is a lot of research that is currently being done to subclassify the triple negative breast cancer cases into different molecular subtypes Um, And hopefully this would be a nice starting point for us to understand to draw a nice roadmap uh, That helps us uh, better analyze triple negative breast cancer cases and develop better uh, precision medicine to target that so Let's talk about some of the advances in the treatment of the triple negative breast cancer. So first I would like to focus on immunotherapy. Uh, This is um, a story that started with a lot of ongoing research and a lot of trials that try to use immunotherapeutic agents with other types of therapies in multiple different subtypes of breast cancer. But the only subtype that has an FDA approval for the use of immunotherapy in combination with chemotherapy both in the early stage and in the late or metastatic stage is a triple negative breast cancer. Um, so first I'd like to review the results of a very important clinical trial called the Keynote 355 Clinical Trial. Now this uh, trial compared the outcome of treating patients with a combination of chemotherapy plus immunotherapy. This is with an agent called temporalizumab or Keytruda and it compared it to chemotherapy alone. And the choices of chemotherapy were drugs like taxol, abraxane, or a combination of um, gemcitabine and carboplatin. Those are very standard um, uh, agents to be used in practice. And this trial showed that the combination of chemotherapy plus immunotherapy resulted in a significant improvement in an endpoint called uh, progression-free survival. And the meaning of that is the patient being alive without their cancer spreading growing or getting worse and it also led to an improvement in overall survival so this has become the new standard of care for our metastatic triple negative breast cancer patients especially when they express a marker that pertains sensitivity to immunotherapy uh, we also have another option available to patients with metastatic triple negative breast cancer, a drug called tacituzumab, Govitican or tridelvin. Uh, this is belonging to a new class of drugs called the antibody drug conjugates. Now, this is a smart design where they identify a certain marker on the surface of the cancer cell, and they develop an antibody against that marker, and they link it to a molecule of chemotherapy or a bowl of chemotherapy so that it would go and find where that marker is, it'll bind to it, and the whole complex is engulfed inside the cancer cell, and the chemotherapy is released inside the cell, leading to killing it from within. And the whole idea of such a design is to target only the cancer cells and spare the normal healthy cells. So that was also a really very promising advance in the treatment of this disease. Um, We've seen results, last year from a, an early stage trial called the Tropion Pantumor O1 trial, and that showed that patients with triple negative breast cancer who were heavily pretreated were treated with a, an experimental agent, which is another antibody drug conjugate called DXD. and that showed highly encouraging and durable efficacy in more than uh, a third of the patients on the trial. Um, and It seems that it is overall well tolerated with low-grade nausea and inflammation of the mouth called stomatitis being the most uh, common side effects. And now shifting gears and focusing on the early stage, high-risk, triple negative breast cancer, um, there's been very important um, clinical trials also evaluating the role of uh, immunotherapy. And the one that was very important and was practice changing was the keynote 522 clinical trial. And that included patients with newly diagnosed triple negative breast cancer regardless of whether they expressed the PDL1 positivity or not, which is the marker of sensitivity to immunotherapy. And the patients could have had a cancer that is between a centimeter to two centimeters with a positive lymph node, or they could have had a cancer that is larger than two centimeters regardless of whether the lymph nodes are involved or not and they separated patients into two groups one group received chemotherapy alone with standard agents like carboplatin taxol adriamycin and cyclophosphamide and the other group received the same exact chemotherapy regimen but in combination with the same immunotherapy we talked about before then after that everybody proceeded with surgery and the main endpoint that they were trying to assess in this clinical trial is something called PCR or pathologic complete response. Now that means the absence of any remaining invasive cancer cells in the breast or the lymph nodes. So complete elimination of their cancer by the chemotherapy and the immunotherapy. And they were able to see that the chances of achieving that end result was found in up to 63% of the patients In the immunotherapy are and about 55 percent of the patients in the chemotherapy alone are and so that regimen of chemotherapy and immunotherapy has become our new standard of care for treatment of the early stage high risk triple negative breast cancer patients now treatment with chemotherapy in general comes with a great deal of side effects and as we've seen there's an improvement from the addition of immunotherapy to chemotherapy. But the price is possibly increase in the level of side effects and toxicity overall. So some of the common chemotherapy-related side effects include uh, symptoms like fatigue, hair loss, significant drop in the blood counts, and the one that we care the most about is the white blood cells. So those are the cells that normally provide your body with immunity and helps you fight infections. And if that drops, infections and fevers can happen. Uh, There's also a significant risk for developing gastrointestinal-related problems. That could be anywhere from nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and constipation. Neuropathy is another big one that I'd like to talk about. So this means tingling and numbness in the tips of the fingers and the toes and is not an uncommon side effect from chemotherapy um, that is used in breast cancer, unfortunately. And probably the best approach to limit the development of a significant level of chemotherapy-related side effects and treat them properly is good communication with your healthcare team. And typically, every oncologist would see their patients before each cycle of chemotherapy treatment, and this would be called a toxicity check Visit. So basically, during that visit, we check for any uh, abnormalities. We look at the lab work, make sure that they are adequate for proceeding with the next treatment, and we ask our patients, "How well did you handle the last treatment?" And if they reported any significant side effects, then we would talk about things like dialing back on the doses or using additional medications in order to mitigate some of the new symptoms or hold the treatment until they are strong enough to resume that therapy. Safely. Um, now, we talked about the immunotherapy. So, there are possible side effects from the addition of immunotherapy to chemotherapy. And this includes the possibility of developing an inflammation in just about any tissue in the body. And this could include inflammation of the skin in the form of rash or dermatitis, lungs with pneumonitis, liver and developing hepatitis. Uh, There could be also inflammation of the glands like the thyroid gland inflammation of the colon so people can develop significant colitis So as much as those are new or exciting treatment options But we try to do our best to choose the best candidate that could go through this treatment protocol safely and Not offering it to our patients that are at higher risk of developing side effects and so for example when it comes to immunotherapy That would include our patients that have uncontrolled autoimmune disorders or patients who are taking large doses of steroids. Uh, We also work closely with our colleagues from palliative care. So the palliative care team, um, they play a really important role, uh, especially when we're talking about metastatic uh, patients because those patients have a lot of competing symptoms and some of them could be related to the cancer itself or the treatments used to treat the cancer and the input from palliative care becomes really important to improve the overall quality of life for our patients. Um, I know my colleague touched on clinical trials, and I really, I really feel strongly about this, so I would like to say a couple of words about that. So, um, the clinical trial concept is basically an experiment that is normally performed when testing new medication or a therapeutic approach in order to see if we can improve the current standard of care in treatment of any disease and it is through the participation of our patients in those trials that we're able to find better modalities for treating diseases in general and hoping to prevent the development of a late stage of, or metastatic disease if we improve the current standard of care for treatment of some early stage high-risk feature type breast cancers so I would always encourage any patient to consider participating in a clinical trial if it's available at the center of the treatment that they are getting uh, their care at uh, and the main reason I always remind them that you'll always get something extra on top of the standard of care and this is the main goal of clinical trial basically trying to improve on how we're doing currently and a participant in a clinical trial will get access to new treatment before um, a certain con- for a certain condition, really, before it's available to the public. And the people involved in the research, whether it's your physician, the nursing staff, or the research coordinators, uh, their main role is to provide this participant with medical care and more frequent health checkups as part of being enrolled in this clinical experiment. And above all, you get to play an active role, really, in your own health and in improving the standard of care for treatment for that type of cancer uh, or disease in the future. So the most important thing to consider here is diverse participants inform research results applying to the diverse society that we live in. So there are differences in the disease biology and the ability to handle or metabolize drugs involved in the treatment of various conditions, and that varies from one person to another. And so when you have good representation of diverse backgrounds and races in a clinical trial, you're able to get a more realistic end result. And the conclusion that you get probably will apply to a larger sector of the population. Also, diversity among researchers also helps promote trust because participants feel more comfortable with researchers who they can identify with. So that brings us to the role of the advocacy groups in helping shape and set the research agenda and open up dialogues around where needs are not being met in terms of uh, current treatment options, which is quite essential. Uh, The last thing I would like to talk about is the concept of telemedicine, and I think we're all very familiar by this time uh, with that term um, because the majority of patients, if not all of them, have experienced what a telemedicine visit really is. So most of us started using this since the beginning of the pandemic and it's been very helpful for us and for our patients to continue to take care of them in a safe way. Um, I do uh, like a lot of aspects of telemedicine and many patients report their satisfaction with how they're able to save time, normally wasted in all the logistics from the time that they leave their home until they meet with their physician in the office. And of course, above all, it helped minimize exposure during this critical time. Um, And I do not think it is a replacement to the in-person visit so basically it is Similar in a way, but I think that they are appropriate when the purpose of the visit is to go over Lab work results or address brief questions. So really a hybrid model of both Telemedicine and in-person visits are a reasonable approach. So there's good uh, uh, um, good aspects of complementing each other's uh, each other uh, nicely, really. Um, you could also choose somebody to be your advocate, to be present with you at home or in your office when you're having those visits a friend or a family member uh, to be remind you of the questions or ask their questions because they're involved in your care. Um, I hope this has been helpful and I will uh, give this back to Dr. Mesner. Thank you.
1: Oh, thank you so much, uh, very much. Um Dr. Hussein, that was a wonderful presentation. Stella, and just, uh, I know there'll be questions for you during the Q&A, um, and um, I can't thank you enough for your presentation. Um, and I um, I am now going to move on to our next um, speaker, um, uh, Ms. Miss um, um, Haley Dinnerman. Ms. Dinneman is um, uh, co-founder and executive director of Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation, um, and um I have to say, I've known Ms. Dinnerman for a very long time, and um, she has played a critically important role um, in all the programs that we have now for women with triple negative breast cancer. Um, And um, so I'm going to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Ms. Dinnerman.
3: Thank you so much for that introduction, Carolyn. Um, Thank you also to my fellow speakers for the excellent presentations, to our sponsors, and of course to all of you listening today. Today's teleconference is one of many programs offered by the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation. All of our programming is specifically designed to address the needs of the Triple Negative community, from patients to survivors to caregivers and loved ones. Since black women are disproportionately impacted by TNBC, We make every effort to produce programming that addresses the needs of this community, and we partner closely with organizations like TOUCH, the Black Breast Cancer Alliance, to ensure that black women living with a triple negative diagnosis have the resources and support they need. Today, I'd like to highlight a few of our offerings. First, we have many TNBC-specific educational brochures and fact sheets that are available in print or also as free downloads from our website. Our popular materials were developed with input from members of our diverse TNBC community, as well as esteemed medical experts in the area of TNBC. Like all of our other educational materials, these brochures have special sections addressing issues of particular interest to African American women. These materials also address topics of particular interest to certain segments of our TNBC community, including those with BRCA mutations, those with early stage diagnoses, and those with metastatic disease. We work hard to make sure that every member of our TNBC community can find relevant information and practical guidance in all these materials. So I hope you'll use them to your benefit. Our website, tnbcfoundation.org, also offers two free and TNBC specific clinical trials matching services. Um, These are much easier to navigate than other portals. As Dr. Newman discussed in her presentation, clinical trials are incredibly important for African-American women, so this resource is very important to know of. Our website also has a constantly updated TNBC news section and a favorite of our community, our online discussion forums. The forums, as well as our private TNBC Foundation Facebook groups, allow you to easily connect with thousands of women who are living with triple negative breast cancer any time of the day or night. Our community members use these forums and private Facebook groups to ask questions about treatment, about how to manage side effects, and how to live your best life after treatment. But most importantly, our online forums and groups offer consistent support. You can even join the discussion forums anonymously if you prefer. And these online resources are just here to help you and to remind you that you're not alone. While the TNBC Foundation normally makes every effort to meet with you in person, the past couple of years have forced us to make some adjustments for everyone's safety, but these challenges have also given way to some amazing new virtual programs. We have three regularly scheduled online Zoom meetups for our TNBC community, Metastatic Mondays, Tuesdays with TNBC Friends, and Thriver Thursdays. These online support groups have allowed us to connect the community throughout the pandemic and even now that things are going back to normal, our Zoom meetups continue to offer incredible support to the many women who join us monthly to connect, to share their experiences, and to build friendships. You can sign up for our next meetups on tnbcfoundation.org. The information is right on our homepage. And the next Thriver Thursday meetup is actually taking place today, October 19th, at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Our second annual virtual 5K is taking place beginning tomorrow, and it's not too late to register if you like. Uh, To learn more about it, go to tnbc5k.org or visit our website at tnbcfoundation.org. Additionally, we're planning a variety of programs surrounding the San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium in December. For those of you who will not be attending the symposium in person, we'll be taking you along with us virtually so that you can learn about new and emerging TNBC research. It's going to be a great experience, and I hope you'll be able to join us. If you follow us on Facebook or visit our website, you'll get regular updates and be able to register for these and all our other upcoming programs. In the meantime, we look forward to connecting with you on social media, by phone, or online at tnbcfoundation.org. So once again, thank you for joining us, and I'll now turn the program back
1: to Dr. Messner. Oh, thank you so much, Ms. Ginnerman. I really appreciate all the work that you do and just really um, your great commitment. Um, I met you many, many years ago, um, and your great commitment to the Triple Negative Breast Cancer um, and these programs that you really have been a stalwart supporter of. It's just amazing. Um, Our next speaker is Ms. Ricky Farley. Ms. Farley is the CEO of Touch the Black Breast Cancer Alliance. And Ms. Farley will be addressing um, the Touch the Black Breast Cancer Alliance free programs and services and it's really a pleasure to have Ms. Fairley with us. She is a member of the board of the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation, and I'm just delighted to have her with us today. So, thank you so much, Vicki.
4: Thank you you so much for having me, and thank you. You know, thank you. I really appreciate these these opportunities to talk to our community. Dr. Mesner, thank you, Haley, for coordinating this. You're my friend for life. And thank you to all the other speakers who've done such an amazing job providing information. So we are TOUCH, the Black Breast Cancer Alliance, and our mission is to eradicate black breast cancer. We don't want anyone to die of breast cancer, but we really just want to achieve mortality rate parity for black women who are dying at a 41% higher rate. And I know we're not supposed to share statistics, but it's such an important one for our community. We actually define black breast cancer because we now know there's a growing body of research that validates that a black breast cancer cell looks different from a white breast cancer cell. And as Haley talked about earlier, black women are getting triple negative breast cancer at three times the rate of white women. So we define black breast cancer as the constellation of exposures, experiences, and lack of science for black women diagnosed with breast cancer that causes black women to face disproportionately worse breast cancer outcomes. And a lot of that is due to triple negative. Our imperatives, our strategic imperatives are really to bring awareness to Black breast cancer, the different statistics for Black women, and bring commitment to helping figure out what we can do differently about our disease. We need different science. We need education and resources. And we really need to work within our breast cancer ecosystem to change the game on advancing the science for Black women. So we are working very diligently to nurture alliances in our community to, both can- to amplify the voice of our patients. Um, We offer a variety of programs for black women, starting with our our weekly webinar called The Doctor is In. It's on every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Eastern time on the blackdoctor.org Facebook page. So blackdoctor.org Facebook page. And my co-host is Dr. Monique Gary, a, a a breast surgical oncologist in Philadelphia, and she is an amazing doctor that provides great insight. We have these very... Simple, easy kitchen table, um, loving conversations about breast health, every Wednesday night at 6. During October, we actually do it also on Sundays at 3. Um, earlier this year, we started um, a movement called When We Trial to address the needs of black women about to get more clinical trials Get more black women participate in clinical trials if you go to whenwetrial.org you can see the information that we have available to help black women get more comfortable with the science of clinical trials and learn how to advocate for themselves to ask their doctors to participate we have a video series of when we trial videos on youtube our youtube channel is um, touch bbca and um, we're actually on the road doing an education tour we've done about 18 events since May, and we have about six more to do before the end of the year, but we're going to be in San Antonio on on December fifth with an event there, and you can go to our website to get more information. We also have a nurse navigator on our staff for anyone who's in a trial and needs help or needs help finding a trial to help understand the informed consent and any information you need about trials and, and how to access them, and then how to navigate through that those kind of confusing waters. We have an HBCU internship program where we employ paid interns from on, from different historically black colleges and universities to help them understand the importance of breast health. We actually are, are on the road um, for the next few weeks doing an HBCU, HBCU homecoming tour and a bunch of colleges. That's also on our website. Um, we hold on every pretty much every other month a pink tabletop conversation, which is a generational conversation with a mom, a daughter, a grandma, an auntie to basically um, get families to talk about their her stories and talk about breast health within their families. Um, we do frequently Thriver Thursday conversations where we, where, where we feature a breast cancer thriver and tell their story to, to give hope to other survivors and other patients. We have a young women's initiative that we're just launching called For the Love of Your Girls to help young women understand their risks of breast cancer and talk to people who haven't really had exposure to breast cancer we do a monthly, um, um, monthly support group called Touch Talk on the first Saturday of every month at 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time, where we have Breasties come and just talk, and similar to what the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation is doing, to help women just talk about what's going on with their lives and give hope to others, give advice, and just have a girl fest. Um, we have another web series called Love Your Bones. It's on the first Sunday of every month where we focus on bone health and osteoporosis and some of the impacts of chemotherapy on our bones. Um, we have an ongoing partnership with blackdoctor.org. We write a lot of articles on their, their website, and you can access them on BlackDoctor.org.org. And then we do a lot of um, in-the-community events. They're all on our website with Breast Care of Washington and Hologic doing mammograms events um, around the country. So thank you for this opportunity, and we hope you will look at our information at um, touchbbca.org and whenwetrial.org.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Miss Fairley. That was really outstanding, and it's just a wonderful resource for all of you to uh, access. If you haven't already, please do take advantage of these wonderful programs. Um, and our next speaker is Samantha Fortune, and Ms. Fortune is an oncology social worker, and she's our Women's Cancer Program Coordinator at Cancer Care. And Fortune will be addressing cancer care services that are provided, triple negative um, Breast Cancer Foundation's free um, helpline and services. And I'm going to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, uh, Ms. Fortune.
5: Thank you, Dr. Messner. As mentioned, my name is Samantha Fortune, and I am the Women's Cancer Program Coordinator as well as the Oncology Social Worker at Cancer Care. My role includes working with women diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer in their families, as well as developing programs and initiatives for our Women's Cancer Department. The Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation and Cancer Care have partnered together to ensure that those diagnosed with TNBC have access to free psychosocial services and support. There are many aspects of a breast cancer diagnosis that could be addressed through psychosocial supportive services, including making informed treatment decisions, quality of life concerns, clinical trials, fertility options, and communication with um, your medical team. The Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation has also generously funded our TNBC line, which provides callers with access to comprehensive services. Some of these comprehensive services that both Triple Negative Um, Breast Cancer Foundation and Cancer Care Provide include resource navigation, counseling, education workshops, publications, and limited financial assistance. Um, By calling the triple negative helpline, individuals are connected to an oncology social worker who is aware of the physical, emotional, and practical challenges that may arise when diagnosed with TMVC. A cancer diagnosis can be very overwhelming. Establishing a network for additional support and guidance may be helpful to relieve some of the feelings of anxiety as well as increase feelings of hope and empowerment. Joining a support group can offer the chance for TNBC patients to speak with one another, gather information, and provide support. Cancer Care offers TNBC Pacific National Online Support Groups, which are moderated by an oncology social workers. I personally currently run the Women of Color patient support group, and then we have a section focused on um, triple negative breast cancer patients. Um, It's very important for African Americans of women in color who have experience with TNBC to have this kind of support because. As speaking of a woman of color, our experience vastly differ from other populations, and such group provides members the opportunity to speak about their unique and specific challenges in a safe space, as well as be understood by their peers. Um, If you're ever interested in this group, and please register because we need more people, you can um, can register on our online support group through cancercare.org by selecting our services and then support group. Individuals may also experience practical and financial concerns throughout one's treatment. Please note that if you're encountering such hardships, there are organizations that may be able to help you. Cancer Care's resource navigation offers a short-term strength-based approach service to patients and caregiver affected by cancer nationally. A trained specialist will work with the client in connecting them to resources, referrals, and financial assistance. If you are interested in learning more about the services the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation and Cancer Care offer, I encourage you to call the TNBC helpline at 877-880-8622. Our oncology social workers um, can share additional information about our services and can also help explore ways to connect um, people to our support groups, our financial assistance programs, and other resources. Um, It's been such a pleasure to be part of this workshop. Thank you for giving me the time and the attention, and I'll turn it back now to Dr. Messer.
1: Oh, thank you so much, uh, Sam. That was a wonderful presentation and the wonderful resources from Cancer Care. And now I do want to to thank all of our speakers. They've been outstanding. It's just been a, a fantastic program today. And as we conclude the program, I would not want any one of you to feel that you're alone in coping with Triple-negative breast cancer. I now want you to know that you're now part of a community of support. We've had a lot of presentations today um, from both our all of our excellent speakers, as well as all of the resources that are available um, to assist you. Um, and we want you to take advantage of those resources. We don't want anyone to leave this call feeling that you're alone. We want you to now know that you're part of a community of support, and we're all here to help you. And Um, So, again, we don't want you to feel alone, um, although it is, of course, often tempting to feel alone in coping with triple negative breast cancer. Again, we do not want you to feel alone. We want you to take advantage of these services. We want you to to utilize them. And, um, uh, again, I want to thank you all for your participation today, and I want to wish you all a very fine day. Thank you all.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your participation. This includes the workshop, and you may now disconnect. Everyone have a great day.